Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I, I am good. Uh, another excellent Friday morning. Sun is shining. It's a little chilly out. Um, and uh, we've had a peaceful transfer of government power in the United States. Woohoo! And can I just say, and everybody looked fabulous. Although I agree with your statement to me earlier before we started recording, more hats. We needed more hats because there was wind. And, it was and I was a little surprised that President Biden did not wear his aviator sunglasses that he's known for. Yes. He would have also sort of added a debonair, but I think he also wanted people to be able to see his eyes and see his sincerity. And yeah. Uh, and uh, it would be weird to have a prayer moment wearing aviators. <laughs> that would that'd be a little strange. Really. But I mean, hey, if you're going for uh, um, uh, a men in black, you know, um, movie, you know, look. Exactly. Okay, okay oh, everybody look like... right here at this little memory thingy. And, and speaking of men in black, uh, that's a really good transition to our topic today. Yes, because today we're going to talk about weird stuff. Yes, weird, weird government investigations. So or, the government investigates normal stuff all the time, right? They investigate cool. mobsters and they investigate serial killers and they investigate all kinds of people who do what we think of as sort of at the edge of crime, like big crime, but relatively normal. Oh, well, and, and, right? and let us not forget, Nia, okay, most government agencies do a whole bunch of investigations before they issue rules. You know, because they you want them to go ahead and investigate and do research before they go ahead and say, well, going forward, you can only do X because we're concerned about the environment or you can only do Y because we don't want you to fall asleep behind the wheel of an 18 wheeler. Right. Right. They do all kinds right. of investigations. Right? right. We tested how long it took people to fall asleep behind the wheel of an 18 wheeler and crash and die. And we decided that eight hours is the maximum you should be able to drive one of those safely or what I, I can't remember what it is if it's eight hours. Yes. So the government investigates all kinds of behavior and okay. normally boring. Normally, okay. it's just boring. There's a bunch of guys out there measuring stuff or or they're taking water samples or they're, you know, they're statisticians that are running, you know, all kinds of actuarial tables. Right. Right. Because okay. right. you know, they're trying to figure out at what at what year in the future will Social Security be bankrupt. Right. Right. OK. Um, or, you know, hey, if we don't change X behavior, this catastrophic event will occur. And if you read the reports, okay, you're just like, oh, I'm going to fall asleep. Okay. Yeah. If um, this gets any more boring, it may actually put me into a coma. Or in other words, which the good thing, that's a good thing, though, about investigations is somebody's doing those investigations of sure. boring stuff. That's one of the things we like about government is that it does it investigates things like that so that then we can say, hey, we know a fact. We yeah. know a fact because it's been established by lots of research and- Or we don't know a fact because we've done all this research- And we still don't know. 
And we still don't know. There are so many variables and we've tried to eliminate which ones do have an impact and which ones. Yeah. But then there's stuff that they investigate that oh, yes. starts people like making little hats out of tin foil and, <laughs> and sitting in their closet and trying to not be noticed by whatever it is um, or what have you. Yes. So this is probably an incorrectly titled podcast. So it's not weird government investigations. It's government investigations of weird phenomenon. There we go. Because oh, yeah. the investigation itself is probably pretty normal. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's not, you're right. That's, I put weird in the wrong, oops, yeah. my bad. Sorry, folks, but you know what? I'm not going to fix it now because that's the name of the recording. Yeah. Um, and we'll get all confused. But, but, three, but, but you're three. right. It's a normal investigation of a weird thing. Yes, right? And in the three weird things we're going to focus on here for uh, roughly the next uh, 50 uh, to 55 minutes Okay, um, in, in no particular order, uh, because for faithful listeners of the podcast, uh, as you well know, with uh, Nee and I, um, we might we might start with an uh, an outline or a plan, um, but uh, that doesn't always happen. <laughs> nope. So that's what I I like to think it's what makes us adorably unpredictable. There, there that's the phrase i'm gonna work with until somebody says otherwise <laughs> yeah it says yeah you guys are not adorable and being unpredictable is annoying <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll have to figure something else out so okay. the the three we want to focus on are uh ufos unidentified flying objects uh bigfoot um and uh, my favorite um um uh, because i actually uh read uh the uh book that a lot of uh, Americans uh, make reference to in regards to this phenomenon, uh, the Ber Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. Uh, yes. I have thoughts, many thoughts about the Bermuda Triangle, but we, want, we will get to that later. So which one do you want to start with, Nina? I want to start with the Bermuda Triangle. I take it back. I don't want to go later. I want to go now. Okay. Because <laughs> I have this theory about the, the Bermuda Triangle. I, I brought up the Bermuda Triangle to a friend uh, recently who said, um, didn't they do a lot of like testing of ships and planes? And so she said, of course, they would all fall down in the Bermuda Triangle because when you test stuff, that's where it breaks. And I was like, that's a very scientific, logical way to think of it. But I prefer to think of it as Krakens. Well, I want it to be Krakens. Even if it's not, I want it to be Megalodons and Krakens and giant squids and that reach out of the ocean and snatch planes and pull them okay, down into but, the water. But, but by the logic of your friend, think about the National Highway Transfer Transportation Safety Administration that does all of the testing of automobiles for safety. Right. Inevitably, every single one of the automobiles they test for safety are going to get destroyed <laughs> right <laughs> i mean are crashed yeah, I mean, and she's like so it makes sense so the, the triangle makes sense to her which i really like i like that she has come up with a logical reason to believe in the bermuda triangle where i have come up with an illogical reason which is that i think it's cool okay but for uh listeners uh because i this uh, is something i want to do if we're talking about the Bermuda Triangle um, in, in terms of uh, uh, latitude and longitude, 
or specific location. Um, it's in the North Atlantic Ocean, um, and it's basically a triangle where the three tips are the United States, the Bermuda, and the islands of the Greater Antilles, um, which is comprised of Cuba, Jamaica, Puerto Rico, and a missing one. Hispanolia. Yeah, there we go. Yes. Okay. Which is the island that has Haiti and the Dominican Republic on it together. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Hey, how about this? So we're getting a fine geography lesson today. <laughs> I only happen to know that that's the case because the I was coming through the Homeland Security program when the earthquake in Haiti happened. Oh. And so we studied it a lot. So Hispanolia yeah, yeah. is my, I'm okay. like, I know what that is. Okay. By the way, it does not appear on world maps. So if any of you all feel as though you got shortchanged um, in high school or, you know, middle school, don't be afraid. It's not on. <laughs> okay. Any yeah, map. It's an imaginary triangle. Yes. Okay. So, okay. Uh, historically, as far back as the 19th century, there have been reports of first ships, and then once we had air travel, airplanes, into the, into the 20th century, there were reports of uh, ships and planes going missing in the Bermuda Triangle, okay? Um, and um, uh, there were various theories that were propagated uh, that basically said there were strange forces, if you will, that were just sucking up, okay, or pulling down, okay, those ships and those planes. And the United States government, of course, has studied this. <laughs> well, in fairness, it, I mean, American stuff has disappeared there. Sure. Planes and ships and stuff. So it's, I, if you sent a plane out into the world and it disappeared you would go look for it like how long did we spend looking for that plane that disappeared in um what was it in the indian ocean right yeah. in malaysia right like malaysia air yeah how long did we spend looking for that because we we don't like it when things just disappear america americans especially but humans in general well, we I mean, like object permanence. Once we hit about the age of three, we want things to stay where we put them, or if they don't, we want to know where they went. Well, I mean, and, and, and you can actually root this in Enlightenment era thinking. The assumption that human beings, because of their mental faculties, can explain what they encounter. Right. You know, it's, you know, it's the basis of the scientific process, right? Exactly. Okay. You observe, you explain, you predict, and you test. So if we can't explain, <laughs> okay, something, then that entire process goes haywire. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. And sometimes we don't even observe it, which is also annoying. Yeah. It was right? there a minute ago and now it's gone. Yeah. Well, and so, we don't know what, what happened. Yeah. And we get, we get frustrated as humans. We want to go find out what happened. Yeah. So, uh, but the, the popularity of uh, this phenomenon known as the Bermuda Triangle definitely arose in the 1960s and 70s. Um, uh, there was really that late. Yes, it was really that late. 
Yep. Uh, the research that I've done suggested um, uh, that first uh, uh, Vince uh, Gaddis uh, used the phrase um, uh, in a pulp magazine article. Okay. <laughs> and of course, okay, you know, that's, that is so pejorative pulp magazine article. Okay. Because it wasn't in a well-established, if you will, literary magazine. Right. But he went ahead and described a triangular region uh, that has destroyed hundreds of ships and planes without a trace. Now, the book that I referenced a few moments ago um, uh, is uh, Charles Berlitz, uh, and, and it was it was a bestseller. Okay, the Bermuda Triangle. Yes. 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 And and there was a TV movie that was made. Okay, based on the book. Okay. <laughs> There always is. Okay, and I remember watching it, right? I was just like, mom, okay, we can never fly there. And of course, my mom was just like, why would we fly? Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, on our next trip to Cuba, mom, we have to be really careful about, yeah. Yeah, okay. Probably not I, happening. I think my mom- Sorry, to, when we were kids, Cuba was embargoed. You couldn't- Yes, right? You couldn't uh, go to Cuba. I remember my mom using that conversation as a rhetorical axe against my dad because we <laughs> never went anywhere on vacation, right? Okay. You know, you know, John wants to go to the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> I would just like to be able to travel out of state. Okay. And I was just like, don't pull me in on this. Oh, that's <laughs> okay. So I, I remember that book um, being huge oh, it was, in, oh, yeah. in, its, in the year it came out, like, and everybody got fascinated by it. And, and they, and then they decided we will solve it. Right. Like that's of course what humans do. Well, the reason that it's not been solved is because I haven't put my input in because once I start to investigate, of course it will be solved and it's still not solved. Is it? No. Um, uh, or solved in the sense of it's not explained as a phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, because we've had two uh, federal government agencies, um, uh, the National Weather Service uh, and the Department of Energy um, have issued, if you will, reports where they investigated the phenomenon. And if you read both, Nia, what do both conclude? I'm guessing, uh yeah, they're, 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 but in more, but in more bureaucratic language. Yeah, I mean, they basically have concluded. Uh, by the way, there's also been environmental groups who who have studied it, uh, but basically they have all concluded there is no such thing as a Bermuda Triangle. Okay, uh, is it a heavily trafficked area in regards to, in particular, uh, cargo ships? Yes. Okay. Um, is it also an area that has um, volatile weather patterns? Yes. Okay. Um, it's part of the Gulf Stream. Okay. Um, it's also uh, a part of um, uh, Hurricane Alley uh, from the western coast of Africa. Okay. To um, North and South America. Okay. So if, if any of you- I was going to say generally Florida or New Orleans. Yeah. But I mean, for those of you 
who actually follow the pathways of, of eastern seaboard hurricanes. Almost all of them start off the west coast of Africa, okay, during mid to late summer. And then they migrate across to, the Atlantic. Yeah, across the Atlantic to the eastern seaboard. Right. Um, and and as, as Nia points out, most of them, Florida, uh, Gulf of Mexico, Louisiana, uh, the country of Mexico gets hit with them a lot. Okay? Yeah, the Yucatan, you, yeah, the you hear Yucatan about a lot of them making, lot. Yes. making landfall there. And Cuba gets hit a lot. Yeah, Cuba gets hit a um, lot. The islands take a beating. Yeah, okay. Um, in hurricane season. Um, and, and by the way, uh, one of the deepest, uh, deepest points of the Atlantic Ocean is in the Bermuda Triangle. It's called the, the Milwaukee Depth, okay? Oh. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, and in terms of, of how deep it is, uh, it's over 27,000 feet deep. Okay. Holy cow. That's. Yes. How many miles is that? <laughs> that's a bunch. What is that? Four, eight, eight uh, that miles? Uh, well, uh, no. is it, a mile is 5,280 feet. Right. So you're talking about so five miles ish. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, think that's about pretty it. darn deep. <laughs> that's pretty darn deep. Right. You know, with somebody who with some regularity runs five miles. OK, that's a lot. That's a huge <laughs> distance. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a long way down. So that but do you think that in part that that part of that um Part of the reason it's gotten the reputation it's gotten and in, and the things have disappeared is because there's just so much traffic. Like if you're on a road and there's no cars ever, then there are no crashes. But if you're on a road where there are 10 billion cars every two minutes, there are bound to be crashes. There are bound to be weirdnesses. That's a really good example, Nia, because if you read the uh, reports issued by the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration about um, highway traffic, congestion, and accidents. You know, they have acknowledged a phenomenon of where if you live in a high traffic area, accidents and fatalities, you get numb to them because they happen with so much regularity. But on highways where there is comparatively less traffic and fewer fatalities, they usually get reported in more depth because they're so unusual. Huh. They're so unusual, right? So if you think about the Bermuda Triangle, of course, okay, there's going to be, okay, uh, if you will, more accidents, more ships lost, more planes that go down in part because it is a high trafficked area and it has such volatile weather. Right. Okay. Um, we know this. Okay. What, what do we not know? <laughs> well, <laughs> because about it, the Bermuda Triangle, I mean, I mean, I, what do we not know? Sorry, I should have been more specific because you and I, if we started now, we wouldn't stop talking for weeks about what we don't know. But yeah, but I mean, the different. So, 
because it is so deep. It's, it's what, like a thousand planes, a thousand ships, a thousand whatever that's been lost or... I mean, you hear stories all the time about, oh, and this thing went down in the Bermuda. Well, you don't hear much anymore, but you used to there for a while. The three reports that I read, and we're going to post two of them on our research guide, uh, both of which come from uh, the National Weather Service and the Department of Energy. Uh, but the three reports I read have all estimated, okay, that we have lost 50 ships and 20 planes. That's okay. all. I mean, not that that's is, all. Sorry, that's a terrible. Okay. The lives lost there well, the, are the, immeasurably the, important. I'm the not lives suggesting lost, that. the value of the, the, the cargo and the human, if you will, production of those people, okay, who, you know, died. That's invaluable. But that, that's invaluable, right? I would have thought the number would be much higher considering the booga 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 that the, that the, um, that the Bermuda Triangle is, right? Like, watch out and don't go there. And But I like my odds if if 50 ships out of thousands of ships that have passed through. Well, according to uh, the World uh, Wildlife Fund in 2013, you know, part of their explanation is, um, uh, and, and, and to me, it's pretty fascinating, because we oftentimes don't do exhaustive searches, okay? I mean, if you think about uh, 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 a lost ship, okay? You know, they will do a search to see if they can go ahead and find the ship and the passengers or the crew on the ship. But after a certain period of time, they just stop, right? Right. It's so, weird to me that we can still lose stuff, but it's a big big planet and it's a big ocean right <laughs> i mean you know what i mean like like for a while there, going back to that airplane the malaysian airplane like it seems so weird to me that we wouldn't be able to find it and then i think about how big the ocean is yeah. relative and how big the planet is and like actually that's not all that weird that we can't that we can't locate something yeah and so you know part of the if you will phenomenon of the Bermuda Triangle is the fact that, you know, we don't know what happened. Yeah, right? nothing's found. Yeah. You don't get wreckage. You don't get, yeah. like, the, ni um, I won't, the, I, the nice thing is what I was about to say, and boy, is that the wrong phrase. Um, the, a comforting thing about a, a crash on on earth on ground is that you can often figure out what happened you can look at the pieces put it back together i mean the ntsb does that with plane crashes all the time they they go they find the plane they figure out exactly what happened or as close as they can but if you don't get any wreckage then it could have been a kraken for all we know yes there could be this strange if you will scientific force in the Bermuda Triangle, that is, you know, sucking down a ship or a magnetic or, north, and it changes, and you lose your compass, and then all of a sudden, I'm serious, a kraken comes out of the water and takes you. Yeah, right. So because of that, okay, um, you know, part of the continued, uh, if you will, support, okay, advocacy of the Bermuda Triangle, is that we don't have those explanations, right? Okay. 
uh, a ship's crew and passengers and cargo are just written off as a loss, right? Um, and, you know, the families of the victims might wonder, but after a certain period of time, you know, what nation, okay, is going to go ahead and continue the investigation? I mean, think about, for instance, how long it took for a private crew to actually find the wreckage of the Titanic. Right. And the cost involved in that was Oh, is was astronomical. Enormous. Yeah, is astronomical. Right? Uh, not that we don't think that people's lives are valuable, but at some point it just becomes a financial difficulty to figure. Like one of the things that um, a known thing that happens is that people die on the top of Mount Everest or, or going up to the, t you know, in that last chunk. And there's no way to bring their bodies back because yeah. people who are up there have very little oxygen left and need to get themselves back down. So they're left there year after year after year they're just not and they're sort of frozen in place and th that's the other thing is it would take a lot of work yes. to bring them down so they're left there because the financial wherewithal just doesn't exist at some point maybe some country will 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 pay to bring those folks back but that's a that would be a lot of time and treasure and money that you would have to put into something um, that is potentially very dangerous. If you decided you were going to try to find something at the bottom of a five mile deep <laughs> trench or spot, yes, the amount of money and effort that would go into that would be unbelievable. Yes. So what you're telling me is it's never going to be solved. No, it's not going to be solved. Um, I don't want to hear that. Okay, but but also put this in, <laughs> put this in context there are actually more dangerous bodies of water for shipping. Really? Yes. Like what? Uh, well, uh, there is a, a shipping lane, okay, between uh, Nova Scotia and Greenland and Iceland that is more dangerous, okay? You mean as far as lost ships and... Yes, yeah, uh-huh. So I wonder what's so interesting, well... I guess Bermuda is kind of, it's oh, a right. cool thing to say. It's a beautiful country. It's well, I mean, let me uh, think wait, about that. Country. I mean, Sorry, but, but, Island. But, but the part of the Atlantic, right? I mean, think about how many Americans, okay, <laughs> actually like vacation, okay, in the places that we mentioned that are tips or points of the triangle. Right. Okay. And you have, sort of the historical the oh, slave trade came through there lots there. of things have came come through there that have sort of built a whole history around that spot yes. that for americans is very different than than the like yeah. nova scotia greenland thought although maybe the canadians have their own bermuda triangle that's not bermuda but that's greenland they have like the greenland triangle or the nova scotia yeah triangle. Uh, but uh, I haven't done that research. Anyways, that would be fascinating. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll get back to you on that, listeners. Yeah. But, but, there other, but there are two other phenomenon we wanted to explore. Yes. Which one, I, do, you want, which one do you want to do next? I, I, am, I always wanted to find Bigfoot. <laughs> like when we, were, when we were kids and we went camping, because um, uh, we went camping with church uh, groups in the summers. I hoped and hoped and hoped that we would see a Bigfoot. 
or a Yeti or a something. Although I think it's called Yeti when it's snowy and cold, and it's called Bigfoot when it's North American. What, what, and what's fascinating, Nia, is the number of countries and cultures, okay, that have like their own version of Bigfoot. Okay, I mean, they exist in multiple, if you will, cultures around the world, okay, this a very similar phenomenon, and, and they name it different, you know, things. Right. But uh, again, I, you know, I, I didn't know if you were aware of this, but as I was doing my research, I was just like, oh, so there's a, like, you know, a handful in Europe, there's a couple in, you know, you know, in Asia, right? I think there's one just in Russia, right? Okay. Oh, really? Cool. Yes. Right. Okay. So everybody has their own Bigfoot. So by Bigfoot, we mean a humanoid, a very tall humanoid bipedal, right? Walks on, walks upright. Yes. Creature that is, has been called things like the missing link or the connection between human and ape or. Yes. Right. Something along those lines. Okay, it has vague, if you will, human skeletal, if you will, structure, but it also has elements of apes, monkeys, very hairy in, in, in most cultures, okay? <laughs> you know, it's very hairy. But with hands. Oh, yeah, with, but with hands, yes. Not, pa- not paws, but hands, hands like but, theoretically articulable yeah. hands. And, and for those of and you, when I was a kid, there was a picture of one. Yes. Right. There was a guy. Well, now we know it's a guy in a suit because he said it was me in a suit. But he, a friend, took a picture of him next to a stream. Yes. And it went wild. And I'm assuming that at that point, somebody in the government said, "Oh man, now we have to go investigate this thing." Well, interestingly enough, Nia, uh, uh, the FBI actually invest uh, opened a file on Bigfoot in 1976. <laughs> really? Yes. There's an FBI file. Yes. Okay. Do they think the the Bigfoot is a criminal or do they just No, what happened was uh the director of the Bigfoot <laughs> Information Center and Exhibition in Oregon <laughs> A guy by the name of Peter Byrne sent the FBI 15 hairs attached to a tiny piece of skin, okay? Um, And in his request to the FBI, he said his organization (laughs) could not identify from what animal it came from and was hoping that the FBI's uh, lab could uh, analyze um, and report back. Wow. So the FBI opened a file. Uh, They did their tests and they concluded that the hair came from the deer family. (laughs) So not Bigfoot. Yes, right? (laughs) But that's interesting. Well, it's interesting that that the FBI didn't just send the sample back and say, you're a loon, leave us alone. You know, like the FBI was like, no, no, if this is a thing, we would need to know. Yes. We, we would need to know this was a, a thing. And we can say one way or another and then close the book on this. But it didn't close the book on this 
I would be willing to bet. Uh, no, that, that is correct. Um, uh, it, 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 what's really fascinating about the FBI's investigation was um, a clerk was supposed to send the lab results and report back to this burn guy, but it never got to him. So for years, it fed the myth that the government was refusing <laughs> to, to do the lab test. Yes. Because then, they knew that it was a Bigfoot and they were trying to cover it up. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because because you should always blame maliciousness when it could just be incompetence. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Burn. But, you know, what's also fascinating about this is um, uh, um, uh, and, and I actually have colleagues and I'm not going to name who they are. Okay. At the university, we have colleagues, Ania, uh, who were faithful watchers of the popular TV show, This Decade, Searching for Bigfoot. Okay. Yes. I mean, they watched it faithfully, right? One of my closest friends, okay? I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to cast any side eye because I wanted desperately for Bigfoot to be a thing. Um, and for years, when we would come across a track in the woods that we couldn't immediately identify, we'd be like, oh, do you think it's Bigfoot? You know, like, and then we realized it didn't have toes or it wasn't, you know, like it wasn't the thing that Bigfoot would need to be in order to be able to stand up. And, and there are really good plausible explanations why people, for instance, believe in Bigfoot um, or the Bermuda Triangle, or the last phenomenon that we will get to in just a couple minutes, uh, UFOs, okay? I mean, think about it. Bigfoot, oh, well, I mean, Bigfoot is like the ultimate symbol of pure freedom. Living off the grid, in the woods, okay? Uh, different, I mean, think about how many well, of us- benefits of being human, you're upright, you have manipulable, you can manipulate your environment, you can do those I mean, kinds of things. How many of us benefits of being wild, you don't have to pay taxes, you don't have to deal well, with bureaucracy. Many, I mean, think about how many of us need at various parts in our life feel so different than everybody else, okay? Um, um, and I mean, in Bigfoot is so different, okay, um, and is able to go ahead and just get away from everybody else. Well, and there was a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Bigfoot was Bigfoot was a movie star, right? Yes. Wasn't there a yes a film of a yes of yes. an encounter with a Bigfoot? Yes. Was it a TV movie or was it actually like a go to a movie theater? Uh, well, I, because there was a piece of footage, right? That was, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. then they oh. made a movie out of, out of, yeah, you're talking about television. It was a television show where they did a reenactment -y kind of a thing. Yeah. You're talking about the uh, famous video footage from 1967 of Bigfoot in Northern California. Um, and by the way, uh, much like uh, your investigations, uh, uh, you know, uh, of you and uh, your siblings or your friends, okay, 
It all started with a trail of oversized footprints uh, discovered in the same region of Northern California in the late 1950s. I mean, and, and that's part of it, right? I mean, think about how many of us discover stuff when we're kids and we're like, wow, okay. This is a, this is a thing. thing. This, this is, is a thing, a, right? This is exciting here in this, here in my little hometown in the woods of my little hometown or whatever. Yeah, you don't need an advanced degree or any kind of technology. You just discovered something because you were curious and you paid attention and you're like, nobody else knows about this, right? Right. Okay. I mean, and in that, it's exciting. It's it, and that's part of the joy of science. That's why scientists get into it is because at some point they run an experiment and it does something they weren't expecting. And they go, oh, this yeah. is, this is amazing. I want to keep doing this for the rest of my life. I mean, I would hope that's what most scientists experience. So, and, and for an anthropologist, can you imagine if an anthropologist actually found a Bigfoot? Yeah. That would be, that would be so cool, right? That would be, that would be the, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls of your career kind of thing where you find, because archaeologists tell me all the time, most of the time we find nothing. Yeah. right they go and they dig and they find nothing or they find pottery shards and he's like you know what pottery shards mean there were people that's yeah. all that means because every time there are people there's pottery of some kind so yeah. so he's like then you find a wall and you freak out because that's an entirely different yeah kind of civilization that's entirely different yeah why did the civilization have the wall why exactly right on the wall exactly what is this fence exactly what is this was it part of a room is it part of a building oh my gosh now we have to dig up the whole thing and they get all excited and so i'm imagining that for an anthropologist can you imagine if they found a bigfoot yeah they would yeah, evidence of Bigfoot, right? I mean, you'll be like, you'll be writing and studying that for years. Oh, that's okay. your entire research career right there. <laughs> but so, but sadly, what really happened was that the FBI just lost the notification and... Yes, right, yep. And it turned into a thing that wasn't actually a thing. Yeah, but you're I mean, telling me there's no such thing as Bigfoot. Is that what uh, yeah, yeah, I can't say for sure one way or the other. All I know is, OK, not uh, yet. Uh, the, the government did an investigation of it and concluded that what was submitted to them for analysis was more than likely <clears throat> hairs and skin um, from the deer family. <laughs> but they have not ruled out that. OK, but that just means they ruled out this. Yes this piece that doesn't mean they've ruled out the concept of bigfoot that's right just saying i can cling yes you can still cling to it okay right? yes <laughs> now the last phenomenon we want to explore in this one okay uh Nia and i are both fascinated by because millions if not billions of dollars have been spent by the government to investigate ufos unidentified flying objects, or in the language of government bureaucracies, UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomenon. God, I love government acronyms. <laughs> part, part of my joy. I, I like that better, actually. Okay, part of my joy, okay, 
as a political science professor who spends a lot of time reading government documents, okay, is just when you come across an acronym and you're just like, I wonder how many committee meetings were spent on them coming up with this acronym, right? Right? Yeah. Unidentified aerial phenomenon. Now, there's actually a pretty good reason why the government started studying UAPs or UFOs. Let's go. Which one do you want to go with? Me? I want to go with UAP because I really like. Yes. Aerial phenomenon. Yes. Okay. There's actually a good reason why the government started investigating UAPs. Can I guess? The start of the Cold War. I was going to say the Russians. Yes. I would assume that it's because there was there was in the time of the beginning of flying. In the beginning of planes, people were making planes all over the world, but the Russians were making advanced planes the way we were making advanced planes right so and we then were worried once, about being spied on and then once they went ahead and started creating bombs and missiles okay that had if you will the the power of nuclear weaponry okay. oh then you worry about delivery systems um, and, okay so what is appearing in the night sky right right okay and is um, that a bomb and are we all gonna die yeah that's right okay um and uh, and on our research guide, uh, uh, we will actually have a document um, uh, that's entitled Project Blue Book, okay, Project Blue Book, okay, um, which is the study the government did, okay, from 1947 to 1969, okay, um, and Project Blue Book basically chronicles the effort of the Department of Defense, um, investigating UAPs, okay? Um, and there was actually an agency within the Department of Defense, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. <laughs> of course there was. Okay. A-TIP. Now. A-TIP, A-A-TIP. Okay, but what's interesting is, okay, gover- the, the federal government never publicly acknowledged they investigated UAPs. And unlike most federal government budget items, the agency and the money that they spent and the personnel they employed to do these investigations were what's considered were part of what's considered the black budget. Okay. It is the you know, blacked out, redacted part of the federal government budget. So for listeners, if you listen to, what was it, uh, 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 season one, when we talked about the federal government budget, was it season one or season two? Season two, okay? Uh, And we talked about the federal government budget. One of the episodes, we actually talked about how parts of the federal government budget are not seen by the public. Right? right? They're not seen. So, for instance, most of the CIA's budget is black. It's right. redacted. You get CIA budget parentheses, magical stuff happens here, parentheses, and then a very large number off to the side. That's right. Because if they told you, they'd also be telling our enemies, our enemies and we don't, we don't want to do that. So, 
because if you know how to read a budget, okay, then you uh, would know exactly what was being spent on what and how to do and how to counter it. Yes. Okay. So for most of this period of time, in fact, well into this millennium, the federal government never acknowledged that they actually investigated UAPs. Well, the federal government would acknowledge Area 51. And yeah. people are like, you know, we can see it, right? Like we're standing next to it. There's a big fence and it says, don't come in here, no trespassing. And Nia, what's Area 51 for our listeners who might be unfamiliar with Area 51? What is it in the real world or what is it in my imagination? Okay. In the real world, <laughs> it's a base with a bunch of buildings and it's a test site. Yeah. But in okay. my imagination, it's where they keep the aliens that have landed on UFOs, uh, UAPs. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I'm just saying. In, in but, Area, 51, area, but, area 51 is located, okay, uh, in what part of the country? In the desert out west in Arizona? New Mexico? Is it in New Mexico think, or Arizona? I oh, I'm that guy. I can't remember which one, but it's in the, I know it's out in the desert. And that's in part because when you're testing um, planes and things like that, you need big, long runway spaces. And so the part uh, of the country where you could get those back then. Nevada, it's located oh, in Nevada. Nevada. Okay. Nevada test and training range. Yep. Yeah, so like you, but you need big open space in order to be able to take off. If you're trying to figure out wingspan and all kinds of stuff like that, that's why you have to build those out west. It's not because, although the conspiracy part of me says it's because there's less population and nobody will see what you're doing. But that's because I'm a conspiracy nut sometimes. But, I didn't realize it was in Nevada. Now I'm embarrassed. But no, no, yeah. no, no, no. But, but, but to your point, okay. When the country was building, okay, first the atomic bomb, okay, but then when it started to, if you will, test nuclear weapons, they needed to do it in places that were sparsely populated, okay? Yeah, they uh, called it the Manhattan Project, but they couldn't actually build it in Manhattan because that had been pretty dangerous. It could have been extremely dangerous. Yeah, it could be. I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying that doesn't seem like a good idea at all. Okay, but they also wanted it in remote areas, so it would be very difficult. Okay, for you know the public and the press to see what was going on, but also for our enemies to be able to see what was going on. Right. But anytime there is secrecy, and I'm glad you went ahead and talked about the, you know, the, the conspiracy part of this, anytime there is secrecy is when you start seeing conspiracy theories develop, right? Okay. Oh, I mean, well, think yeah, about, cause... for instance, as recent as, you know, two and a half weeks ago, the January 6th attacks on the Capitol. You're already beginning to see conspiracy theories because the you know investigations that have begun have been done in in secret okay because in part if you make public the investigations of how law enforcement perhaps did not do a good job on january 6th then you're basically telling those people who might want to attack the capital in the future this is how the capital right. 
was defended in the past. Right. Okay. So there is, you know, part of the reason why conspiracy theories develop is when the government does things in secret, then people fill in the details, okay, that are seemingly unexplained. Well, and if you're going to deny a UAP and a whole bunch of people saw it, right, and you come out and you do the, as they say in the, in the Men in Black, the flashy thingy, and <laughs> try to make people's memories go away, right, unless you have one of the flashy thingies, people remember that it happened. So they're like, well, why are you not telling us what's going on? Oh my gosh, it was aliens. It's an invasion. We're all going to die. It's HG Wells, right? Like it's, it's war of the worlds all over again. And so it becomes that because the government tries to say it wasn't anything instead of saying, well, we were trying this balloony thing and it was terrible and it got away from us and we're embarrassed that y'all saw it. And so we'd like you to just ignore it. If they just said that, people would go, oh, okay. Or how how about this, okay? But instead they're like, no, nothing happened. You didn't see it. And then you're like, well, no, I did see it. And now you're gaslighting me. So so now I'm gonna make up reasons why you would lie about it. And uh, there's a, uh, when I was doing my research, I came across a, a great quote from an astrophysicist at MIT, Sarah Seeger. Okay, Um, where, you know, she, you know, was very cautious, okay, about not equating, okay, not knowing the origin of an object with, if you will, um, aliens from outer space, right? Right. Just because it's weird doesn't make it alien. Yeah, I mean, because, and she makes a really, but she makes a really good point. What people sometimes don't understand is science doesn't always explain everything, right? I mean, there are phenomena that exist that we have been studying for hundreds, if not thousands of years, where we still don't have a really good handle on how they occur, why they occur, when they're going to occur, okay, etc. Right. And it's because it's a big of, universe. There's yeah, a lot a, to explain. Yeah. Right. And you know, and, and for most of us, you know, once we get to a certain age and we have, you know, you know the you know the daily pressures of adulting, okay, okay. Um, sometimes you know we're just like, yeah, I don't know why that occurs. I don't know how many times I end up saying to my daughter. I don't know why that occurs, right? And it's a phenomenon that I experienced when I was eight years old, right? But whatever the case may be, I'm just kind of sort of like, and she doesn't buy it when I say, um, I don't know the explanation. She's just like, you just don't want to tell me, right? See, she's already a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, right. <laughs> she's, she's starting early. But the, the, the thing about the, the UAPs is the CIA just released oh. a, a big cache of documents, right, about that to, uh, to a website. I can't remember the name, the, the guy's website who, um, who sort of put in the FOIA requests for that, but he got the documents. And what I love that he said was, well, I got all the documents they said they have, which I just think is awesome, right? It's such a... 
it, it's such a you've been lying about this for so long i'm not entirely certain you know what the truth is you know <laughs> what i mean he's not buying it completely but they put him up he put him up on his website and we'll link to that but what i think is so fascinating about that is pilots have seen things like military pilots have seen things and and other people have seen things and i like how scientists are saying there may actually be a legitimate explanation for that we don't know and we're not going to jump to conclusions that it's the weirdest thing yes right. you know what i mean like yeah uh, oh i hear the sound of hooves clip clop clip clop clip clop I'm not going to assume it's a zebra if I'm living in Richmond, Virginia. I'm going to assume it's a horse or a goat, right? Yeah. But if I'm on the Serengeti, I'm going to assume it's a zebra. It, like context is everything. Sure. I mean, it, it, and for me, you know, the, 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 the public administration geek that I am, I'm just fascinated by the fact that the federal government stopped funding investigations of UAPs during the Bush 43 administration, but Senator Harry Reid from Nevada reinserted it back into the federal government budget in 2007, saying that for national security reasons, we need to know. <laughs> and I was just like, yes, okay. I mean, this, this, this highlights so much about how our government works, right? And the fact that you actually had a very prominent you know, member of the Senate. I mean, at the time he was, you know, the Senate, I believe, majority leader. Harry Reid's willing to, it was willing to go ahead and stick his political neck out on the line and say, yeah, we need to, you know, fund that again, okay, for national security reasons. I was just like, and, and, and nobody would go ahead and say that Harry Reid, okay, was a conspiracy excuse the expression, wacko, right? You know, this was a guy who was, you know, a hard, you know, hardcore partisan politician for most of his political life. You don't become Senate Majority Leader because you're a shrinking violet, right? You know, you deal with political realities as they are. And this is Harry Reid saying, oh, nope, it's going back into the budget and we're going to investigate this. <laughs> and what's great about the American government is they do. Yes. There's, they're like, all right, we'll, we'll take your weird hairy thing and look at it under a microscope and figure out it's a deer. Okay, we'll go dig around and see what we can find in the Bermuda triangle such that it is. All right, we'll, we will yeah. release all the stuff we have on UAPs and see, you know, what comes of it. Um, and that gives me, uh, it, it, it opens me to the, uh, or, uh, sorry, it, it makes me happy to know that we investigate, that the government investigates things, that other people would say, I'm going to dismiss that out of hand. The government's like, no, let's investigate and make sure it's not a thing. Yes. I mean, you want to talk about responding to popular will, even right. if it's not majority popular will. Okay. Right. I mean, these are just three examples where the, the government has spent significant monies. Okay. Putting their, some of their best people on the assignments. 
and they've issued reports. Okay. I mean, the, 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 again, this just, you want to talk about your government being responsive. Okay. This is a good example, right? right. Okay. I mean, because, you know, hey, I mean, you know, I've read the public opinion polls. Most Americans don't believe Bigfoot exists, but a significant percentage do. Okay. And the government's gone ahead and said, well, you know, hey, we think it came from the Deer family, right? UAPs. Okay. We can go ahead and couch this in terms of national security. But hey, at the end of the day, there are a whole bunch of Americans who are like, I've seen stuff in the nighttime sky. And I'm curious. And I'm curious. Right? And it's your job to go find out what it is. That's the whole point of government. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go figure that out and come tell me what it was. Yes. Okay. Uh, I love the government. But anyways, uh, have fun reading uh, the stuff we posted on the, the research guide. Um, I, I, I just absolutely uh, loved reading it. And yeah. if there's something else that you that you know of that the government is investigating, let us know and we will look into it. Yep. Thanks, Augie. Thank you, Nia. Have a good day. You too. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu slash discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.